You know the Pope listens Dynasty our religion For the blokes missing On all of these trades On all of these plays On all of these grades By the end of the day Y'all getting played So what you gonna do next Try to fill up that flex Send the homie a text That trash offers the best You try to make it complex Then they text you back Now all of a sudden They don't make any sense <laughs> Broaden your horizons boy Dynasty's not for the Simons boy these trades not for consignment, boy Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy This my advice, from me to you Open up your cute little podcast queue Search up G-O-A-T district, my dude Pop it in your ear, man, y'all know what to do It's the And I always be traded And I always be traded And I always be trading Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them Fish What is up, Fantasyland? We're back in the district. Welcome back. If you've been following as a goat, and if you're new, we welcome you to the channel. As we do it every week, guys, another monster show tonight, kicking off June. If you haven't checked out the Twitters out there for our soon-to-be guest list in the next week or two, go check that out at Go District at the OG Fantasy. You see the Twitter names on the screen. Guys, this is the time of year, whether you're doing best balls, redraft, dynasty, you're tracking ADPs all across the board, if you're doing it right and you're as degen as the four on the screen. And what better way to look at the ADP movements, that elevator goes up and down. And you know, there's guys you want, there's guys you don't want. The man we have on tonight, Theo, famous for a bit of a fade list. And famous for just how he crushes the high stakes. Welcome, our man, in Theo. Yes, so we're, we're happy to invite Nelson Sousa back onto the GOAT District podcast. Nelson has been on the podcast uh, before, uh, just crushed it. Um, Nelson is one of the most successful high stakes fantasy football players in the country. Uh, if you draft in the NFFC, you don't want to see him uh, across from you in, in a draft, that's for sure. Um, I have the pleasure of uh, splitting teams with Nelson. Um, we split a team in the New York Super. I've drafted um, with him. I've drafted against him. It's much better drafting with him. Uh, and we're, we're really happy to have him back on the pod tonight. Nelson also drops uh, fire content over at FTN Fantasy. He does the high stakes um, content that they have over there. So um, and we're going to hear a little bit more about the fade list. So if you like what you hear tonight, um, we encourage you to, to subscribe and you can read the entire fade list. That Nelson puts out, um, and he also puts out a weekly high stakes uh, waiver wire column, and he does um, a few more articles. Uh, he just dropped his uh, his breakout running back article. We're going to touch on some of those great things tonight. So, Nelson, welcome back to the Goat District. How you doing tonight? Good, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, we're totally excited. So, we got to dive right in quickly. quickly. Yeah, man, we don't we don't want to waste any we time. Have- yeah let's fire away so a lot of drafters have different approaches um to drafting some are value-based so others have a preference such as hero rb zero rb they're robust rb people um you seem to have a flexible approach but you adhere to a fade list have you always drafted with a fade list um or is that something that you've developed over the years 
Uh, I would say early on when I was uh, drafting in fantasy that um, I just kind of didn't like certain players each year and would, would just, you know, basically fade them. Um, you know, nothing written down per se. Uh, it was only, you know, the last few years that I actually just started creating a fade list. And it was more when I got into the content industry. Just to clarify, this is 100% fade. When you say you're fading, your strategy, you mean you do not draft these guys in any situation or does ADP play a factor? I, I mean, a lot of them, um, I have over you know 20 players on the fade list. So that that's a decent amount of players that I'm basically avoiding. And a majority of those 20 players are going in the first few rounds. Uh, I just don't, I don't believe in, there's no point in putting a, a player on the list that saying that I'm going to fade them if they, if they have like a 10th round ADP. Um, I just think that's silly. So I'm looking to avoid the landmines in the early part of the drafts because that's where it counts. Um, with that said, uh, some of them have to do with ADP. Absolutely. And then some of them just have to do with, you know, whether it's coming off an injury and I don't have confidence you know, in that player first year back, um, you know, uh, a mixture of ADP injuries, uh, talent based off of ADP. Like I, I, if I think the player is mispriced, you know, different things like that. So are the rule, you have a specific kind of rules for some guys. Some guys seem to be based on, on feel of kind of where they're going. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I do have some like rules that I follow, uh, you know, like an example, uh, any, you know, running back, uh, basically that was a waiver wire pickup, uh, the year prior, uh, meaning wasn't drafted in a majority of, of drafts last year and was picked up and now is going, has an ADP of, let's say, you know, top four rounds right around there, give and take. Uh, I always usually avoid those uh, running backs. So, you know, an example, although I've been in a couple of drafts where he's fallen a little bit, but the perfect example would be Elijah Mitchell. Uh, he, he's a guy that I'm going to be avoiding this year. Is, is there a point that you take Mitchell like sixth round, seventh round, or is it just you're you're pretty much staying away if he's a bad pick uh early he's still a bad pick in the middle yeah I, there's definitely those players that i feel like it, it doesn't matter where you pick them they're just a bad pick um my belief is that mitchell's going to end up being a bad pick uh just like an example miles gaskin and mike davis were examples last year that i had on my fade list and a lot of people liked them going into 2021 and they felt like they were, you know, can't miss or, or, you know, nice value picks, whatever you want to call it. But they were waiver wire add-ons the, the year prior in 2020. And you just got to be able to separate sometimes your loyalty or, or your biased opinion on that player. Um, you know, like Elijah Mitchell was on a majority of my teams just because of the way I drafted last year. My style was kind of, I don't even know what you call it, if you call it hero running back or what, but my style was basically I, 
in the first two rounds, I took a running back that I could hang my hat on. And then I would fire off, you know, four or five straight wide receivers, add in a tight end. And I would always punt, uh, not always, but a majority of my drafts, I would punt my RB two. So Elijah Mitchell after week one, uh, fit, uh, a lot of fit the profile of, for a lot of those teams. So I was one of those guys that was firing 600 plus on Elijah Mitchell in week two of fab. And he worked out great. Like he, he did what I needed him to do on those particular teams. But now 2022 is a new brand new year. And, you know, Hey, had fun with Elijah Mitchell on my team last year, but this year I'm fading him. I think we dropped uh, like seven, seven fifty maybe on, on Elijah Mitchell to get him in, in one league Nelson. That yeah. was uh you got a lot out of them for sure. Um, do you have any new rules that have, that have come into play like lately, or is it sticking kind of by your, your previous old rules? Yeah, no. Uh, another rule of mine is um, I usually always fade uh, a new wide receiver in a, in a new offense the first year. Um, I just find historically it's worked out for me well where that wide receiver, uh, especially if they have a, a high ADP, uh, I don't necessarily worry about, you know, wide receivers on new teams after whatever eighth round that picks never going to kill you. You know, you, you take a guy, he busts, whatever, move, move on. I've, I've burnt, you know, so many picks that I can't even remember. Uh, and it's never going to hurt your team, but those earlier, uh, round wide receivers can hurt, but this year has been unique and I've had to, adjust a little bit on that rule. So I've made up a new rule and that's basically every single wide receiver. Uh, a lot of the elite ones seem like they've changed teams this year. Uh, Devante Adams, Tyreek Hill, uh, Allen Robinson, um, AJ Brown, AJ Brown. Don't forget Christian Kirk. Come on guys. Christian Kirk, Marquise <laughs> Brown, Amari Cooper, Cooper uh, who else am I? Uh, Juju. Who else? That that might be it. But I mean, that's that's a lot of big name wide receivers that change teams. So I can't possibly fade every single guy. But I'm gonna tell you that, you know, even though some of those guys are elite wide receivers, they're gonna disappoint this year. And there's gonna be guys that are gonna work out just like two years ago. Uh, Stefan Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins made me look silly because they were on my fade list. I faded them. Um, they went, you know, Diggs went to the Bills and Hopkins obviously went to the Cardinals. And Hopkins had a second round ADP that year and killed it. And Diggs, I think, was going like in the fifth, maybe sixth round. He was going later. Yeah. People, people kind of gave up on him. Yeah. And he crushed for mm -hmm. where he was going. So, that one definitely made me look silly, but I just thought I definitely looked back and was like, okay, is this an outlier or is my process flawed because I'm not taking into consideration how elite the wide receiver is. So that was something that I definitely needed to take a look at last year. And then this year has just uh, been magnified. So I definitely uh, am not fading every guy that's changed uh, teams. 
What, what if they had a college fling, the quarterback and the receiver? Does that uh, that factors in? Yeah. So if they've seen each other naked in the past, <laughs> uh, that definitely factors in. I, I just love your descriptions better, man. Even the like fading the the guys you picked off off waivers the the year before. I, like we've talked about guys, you know, about doing that and those kind of guys. But you know, you just worded it beautifully, Nelson. I like it. No, I, I mean it's you know I I like to give examples. So the perfect example is, as you guys know, uh, Davis and Gaskin were on the fade list last year. And a lot of people, you know, they were drafting and you, they were coming away with, you know, Davis or Gaskin as their RB2. And uh, sometimes they were coming away with them as like, they thought they were a value and took them as an RB3. And it was just, it turned out to be a wasted pick. See it every you year. Had, you had some hits last year, um, also as well at the wide receiver position. If I don't, if I recall correctly, um, did can you maybe refresh uh, refresh our memory on those? As far as like wide receivers that I was on, or you, I believe you had some fade um, hits last year where the guys did you faded them and they and they uh, they definitely underperformed. I want oh. to say it was wide receiver. Yeah. Um... I'm trying to think. McLaurin, uh, McLaurin, DJ Moore. I don't know any a couple of those. No. No, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to remember right now, but uh, there was there was quite a few of them actually that uh, it it ended up you know working out. I I want to say like ninety percent of the list at wide receiver. Um, I actually have it. Um, oh, last, last year, yeah, you had last year you you had Kenny Galladay, absolute. Big oh, yeah. green check mark on that one. Mm-hmm. You had Chase Claypool, um, huge yeah. check mark on that one. You had Julio Jones, huge check mark on that one. Um, you had Cortland Sutton, that would have been a check mark. Um, and that's, I mean, you you paid for the list right there for people if they just didn't draft those guys. So the the fade list has been very very successful. Uh, Nelson's not going to toot his own horn, but uh, it's definitely um, if you're if you're spending a lot of money on on high stakes or even you know home leagues you know having this sort of information is is definitely a help to you uh as well as nelson's uh waiver wire uh selections no i i appreciate that theo and and honestly sometimes my online persona comes off as cocky but i i'm actually more of you know in real life i'm more humble uh than anything else and so i do appreciate you pumping that that up uh, the only thing I would like to emphasize is um, it's easy to focus on the guys that I did miss on in the fade list, but one thing to keep in mind is all those players have high ADPs. Uh, I'm talking about, you know, we're fading guys in the first, second round. Uh, so, you know, that's that's not easy to do. I You know, I challenge most people, you know, out there, that have, you know, must avoid or, or fadeless, uh, that they, you know, do content for a site and you'll see that their ADP compared to the ADP of the players that I'm fading are night and day. Can I ask a, uh, a non on the, uh, script question for you? This, this is a, a bit, uh, you know, for my own personal game, but I feel like I run into this in every draft and you're talking about, uh, running or receivers going to new situations. 
What about something like Denver where you have a new quarterback coming in? You've got two receivers. You don't have consistency with either one of them showing production uh, for a long period of time. How do you approach a situation like we have in Denver? I, I think it's, you know, you try to get as much information as you can. If, you know, if I have any type of connection um, that I can try to get information on that is not readily available, you know, publicly that, you know, you would see from a beat reporter or, or anything like that. Um, I try to get information on that. Uh, try to, you know, catch up on what's going on. Are they building chemistry? You know, the perfect example was Stafford and Cooper cup uh, and the chemistry that they built their first year together. We talked about the fade list with Nelson. Nelson gave us Elijah Mitchell. Um, Maybe we could go around the horn here. I'm curious to see Dan. Dan is a very sharp player as well. Dan, do you have a, a guy you're fading at ADP right now or maybe one or two of them? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, probably the low-hanging fruit is like Josh Jacobs. Um, that's that's, know, that's literally who I was going to say. Thank you very much, Dan. Now i got to think of another one. I, I, I'm here to steal your guys. Uh, so, Dan always yeah. steals mine. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, I, I'm mixing it up. I'm stealing Theo's this time. So Nice. nice. Uh, but, yeah, Josh Jacobs is just such an easy fade for me. I mean, you know, he, he's really not going super high, but even as high, you know, even going as a, you know, kind of a back-end RB2, which is where he's going right now, uh, he, he's still a fade for me. Just because Josh McDaniels, his tendency has always been to, to really divvy up the rush load. Uh, they didn't pick up his option, uh, you know, and that's when teams do things like that, that's telling as well. Um, you know, we don't we don't know how much of the uh, how many targets he's going to be getting, you know, especially with uh, with Drake around. And then, you know, they they drafted Zamir White in the third round. You know, there's just a, there's just kind of a steady drumbeat of things that say that Oakland doesn't really or Las Vegas doesn't really believe in Josh Jacobs right now. How about you, J.D.? Uh Two running backs early I fade, or one is Derrick Henry, the other one is Javante Williams. I just, I think Dan and I had a bit of a chat about Williams. I just, you're drafting him at his ceiling, in my opinion. I mean, how much farther is he going to go? He he was even creeping into the first, back into the first earlier in the, the draft season. Um, now it's kind of settled into the middle of the first and the one QBs. I just, again, with Gordon there, um, I just, it, it, it comes down to opportunity costs, right? The receivers that are available in that range to me are way more attractive. Um, and you know, the more I draft, the more, uh, you know, kind of like Nelson was talking about that, the hero RB approach, I feel like that's kind of the, you know, it's either that or Andrew's uh, pound the receiver approach these days, but usually the, those two running backs have been fading early. Yeah. Um, for me, you know, Jacobs, I completely agree with, uh, with Dan. Um, I have worries about Chris Godwin this year coming off of an injury. Um, he's a guy, especially where if you look at some of the wide receivers right around him, I mean, to take a, a Godwin over, just looking at Fantasy Mojo now, to take a Godwin over a Brandon Cooks or Rashad Bateman is just not something I could do at this point. Um, and it's sad for me to say, I think uh, I think Antonio Gibson is one where it's going to be really difficult for me to uh, to take him at this point. I think – his, I think his weekly usage is going to be hard to predict. Um, and I think that's a, that's a tough one because I, I love the player. So, um, yeah, there's a few more here and there, but um, I, think, I think Jacobs is one I'm definitely not going to uh, 
going to touch. Um, and if we have like some late word that Godwin's recovering big time or something, that might be a guy that I, I want to start adding again. But I'm a little worried about the, the situation there. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Godwin. When I took Sutton in the, the one we're doing, the, the four of us, the, um, the Superflex best ball on FFPC, I took Sutton in the seventh round because I had Evans in the fourth. I thought about it for a quick second, throwing Godwin in there and doing like a, you know, a, um, whatever you call that. Is it naked, naked stack without the QB or something like that? Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, when I, I don't know, Godwin scares me, man. Anyone who's missing, you know, that you're, you're sure is going to miss a, at least a few games is, is always scary when you're talking in the first six to eight rounds, in my opinion. Do we have any more questions about the, the fade list for, for Nelson guys? I think we covered a lot. Did, did he talk about that he was drafting naked? Well, I didn't catch it. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a it's a Canadian, Canadian thing. thing. It's, it's a Canadian thing. Canadian. As soon as it's it gets over 15 degrees, we just start taking it off when we're drafting. All right. Okay. I'm not judging. There's, there's the guys doing the cardio drafting. We, we do naked drafting here in the district. So okay. Right. Once, once it hits 45 degrees, I mean, in, in Canada, they go nuts. They go real wild. <laughs> Barbecuing, naked. You never know. Never mind. The weather's been awful up here. <laughs> Not, not sure which is worse, the uh, naked drafting or the squat drafting. <laughs> uh, Daniel, there it is. Yeah. Give me a little air horn. You always catch me off guard with those. So pivoting over to, to some redraft questions here. Um, you've been drafting, Nelson, you've been drafting in, in the, the 350s in the Rotowire Online Championships. Um, who are some of the players that you've seen rising as we transition from the early spring drafts into the, you know, the summer season, we're at the beginning of June drafts. I don't think I've done enough uh, drafts just yet to take notice of, of anyone um, moving up sig significantly. I think you're going to see that come uh, the month of July. Um, so from the taking the, the sample size of the drafts in June, and then once we hit July, I think that's when you start seeing guys fluctuate just based on, you know, news, whether we see something on Twitter or any type of hype. And, and then we see those players move up. But right now, um, I haven't really, you know, noticed anyone really, um, you know, there's, there's a few guys getting hyped up, but I, I haven't really seen anyone like jump a couple of rounds that it would be noticeable how about yeah, you dan nobody nobody really so far but i mean you know as mandatory mini camps are are really uh rolling right now you know all it's going to take is a highlight catch or two or uh you know a, a a beat reporter saying you know a connection between uh quarterback x and receiver y uh seems really strong or something like that uh, you know thing, things like that are gonna definitely uh start to move the needle you know and when really when when we get into july you know a lot of the, what happens isn't really based on anything you know that's going on in the field because most of the time there's really nothing going on in the field you know the the mandatory mini camps are over the training camps haven't started uh, so when you're seeing movement in july it's usually just steam that's coming off of uh you know people getting steamed up on twitter or uh, you know, a fluff piece by a beat writer or something like that. And those are definitely the ones, you know, that you want to fade a little bit more. I will say that I do see Travis Etienne. I think that the, mm -hmm. that the market has completely moved on him. I think that we're going to start seeing Etienne occasionally in the third. 
um, where, you know, maybe if you were drafting like we were in best ball early on, you know, you could get them in the fifth. Um, I think you're starting to see Cortland Sutton get a lot of steam. Um, yeah. I think it's smart players are kind of, I, you know, and I should say there's some smart players who also like Judy, but I think there's, uh, you know, some sharp players that are on Cortland Sutton right now. Um, and he's, a, he's one that you could easily see having a great year with, um, you know, with Russell Wilson and the guy who's just rising and rising from, in my opinion, is Michael Pittman right now, where Michael Pittman, like, it's funny, like when the, when this, when the, the off season starts, he gets on all these like kind of breakout lists. Like he could be a wide receiver one. Um, you know, people talk up, you know, the Matt Ryan coming over there, it's a better, going to be a better offense, but now it's like Michael Pittman's being drafted as a wide receiver one. The, the last two drafts I've been in, um, he's been wide receiver 14 and wide receiver 12. So there's like absolutely no discount. Um, he's, a, he's a guy that I think is, is just going to continue to kind of move up. Um, and those for me were kind of the, the guys we've seen move. And obviously, um, I think Saquon Barkley. Um, I think Saquon was, you know, you were getting him at a bit of a discount. But I think now that he's, based on what they didn't do in the draft um, and based on how healthy he is and they proved O-line, I think that he's he's you know going to be locked into the second round and those days of like third round um, ADP are over. I know like maybe in like a like an underdog draft he still falls, but if you're looking at FFPC NFFC boards, it's it's just not happening anymore. Yeah, Pitt, Pittman especially uh, has gone from like you know there there were drafts you could get him in the seventh round uh, going on in like March and it's in like the last month or so. Yeah. Yeah, and now now he's uh, you know he's pretty strongly moved in you know to the the three four turn and uh, you know the the sharper players are starting to pull him into the third round. Do you have any thoughts on on any of those guys right now, Nelson? Or I, I mean, if if we're looking at it's a it's actually a good conversation if we're like predicting guys that are going to move up. Another example would probably be Alvin Kamara where he's going in drafts. And I, I think if we get word that um, nothing legally is going to come of, you know, whatever that situation was with, uh, with him this offseason, then I don't see why he shouldn't be a first-round pick. And I've seen drafts where he's fallen to the third round. Do the, do the Saints play in Vegas at all this year? No? No? Anyone? No. no. Don't believe so. So – but he's yeah, and, and it sounds like this this whole thing could end up not happening. You know, there might be no decision on any kind of discipline or anything by the NFL until next year. Uh, you know, that's that's certainly not a guarantee or anything, but uh, it it kind of seems like it's trending that way. So to me, it's been a little bit surprising that that Camara hasn't started to gain at least a little bit of steam even right now. And yeah, then. I how about, um, you know, again, you, you said that, you know, you haven't had enough under your belt for, for fallers at this point. But, um, you know, I, one guy that I've seen fall is, is Antonio Gibson. Um, I think you're also seeing Juju Smith-Schuster fall a little bit. We saw in our hard way draft, um, he went to uh, Dave Hubbard and Billy Muzio, um, I think at the, like, the 7-8 turn, um, which is going to be pretty low for him, but... I feel like people are starting to. I will. I'll throw Sky Moore. We should have mentioned him as a as a riser. Um, I think that Sky Moore is kind of moving up, um, and I think his ADP is kind of kind of converging with with Juju. 
Um, and then in terms right. of followers, there's not too many other followers off the top of my head. How about you guys? I was going to say Marquise Brown moved up, moved up. Oh, yeah. a bit. He's up in the fourth. And, and I find Juju, I, like, I feel like Juju's actually moved up. If anything, he's up in the sixth round and, like on average, if you look at um, according to Mojo right now, from May 30th to June 6th, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how you guys feel. I, I know there's uncertainty there, but he feels like he's kind of rising up as the favorite for targets in in KC from from what I see in my drafts. Yeah, I mean he's he's definitely he's definitely interesting. Um, I think it's a it's an offense you obviously have to take shots on. Um, I'm interested in seeing like how Sky Moore. Um, you know, the, the drum beats in, in Kansas City for him because I think he's super interesting. Uh, Dan, I know you took Sky Moore uh, with Juju still on the board in our in our hard way draft. Maybe you could share your thoughts on that. Yeah, so, I mean, basically it was – I was actually kind of hoping that I might get a chance to take Juju on the way back. I figured it was unlikely, but, you know, the, the possibility existed. But I'm looking at, at, at Sky and Juju, and I'm going, you know, I – I needed to bet on the guy who was going to be more likely to be uh, peaking towards the end of the year rather than the beginning of the year. So I felt like Sky Moore was that player. Uh, just fit my, my team build. A yeah, little I was going to say, who who are the other receivers that you had at that point? That makes a difference, so right? I, yeah. I have the board in front. It was it was Dan's wide receiver three. But oh, he yeah. had Jamar, Jamar Chase and Brandon Cooks pretty locked in. So um, And wide receivers flew in, in that draft. I mean, we saw wide receivers just flying. So that was um, – you know, the drafters in that that league were we were all aggressive for wide receiver that night. So Dan uh, Dan had to go with more in that one. And, and, um, and what I did what I did on the way back is I picked up Russell Gage, who is you know to me kind of like almost the exact opposite of a, a Sky Moore. Um, love it, Gage. Yeah, it, but you know Gage Gage is getting a lot of steam, you know, and he's definitely moving up. But you know, you know Gage, if uh, Godwin is out for the first six weeks or something like that, Gage is going to really. You know, he's going to be a great value. He's going to be putting out a ton of points. So, you know, to me, he pairs up really well with a guy like Sky Moore. No, you know, sure. Theo, when I, when I started that uh, Triflex, the, I asked you guys, what's the one advice you would give me as my first Triflex? And I know it's three receiver, but ever since then, going into every draft, I find it really hard to not smash receivers early because I think that people are still thinking it's super deep at receiver. But when you're looking at the different tiers and where the tiers break, I don't know, Nelson, I don't know if you disagree with me. I feel like you get to a certain point and you're like, I, I just feel like around seven, eight ish. I'm like, oh, man, I'm glad I'm loaded at receiver right now. I mean, that's my style anyway, J.D. Um, I usually have anywhere from, you know, five to six wide receivers by the eighth or ninth round. So um, I, I start looking at whether it's quarterback or handcuff running backs at that point. So I, I agree with you. I mean, that's my, <laughs> my preference. Theo, what are you laughing at? You look like I'm laughing. I, I, I got just got a, uh, it was just a, a tweet. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry, dude. I thought you were laughing at some of your time. Nelson, no, no. Nelson's draft structure is absolutely serious and, and on point. It was, that was, uh, that was not what that's about. Good recovery. But Theo. I love it. That was a great, a great, a great um, question from 1912. 1912 uh, is pointing out Miles Sanders, and CEH seem to have been rising. And I would say they've been – it's solidifying. They're, like, not not rising to a point where they're they're not, like, uh, you know, definitely scratch them off the list kind of guys. But they're 
they've like solidified where people are kind of like saying, okay, the situation looks like this. Nelson, what are your thoughts on CH and, and Miles Sanders? Kind of those really low end RB twos, maybe high end RB threes. Yeah. The, those are guys that um, come into my thought process uh, based on how I build my teams. Uh, so that they would be RB twos. Uh, very rarely uh, are you going to see a, you know, for me, you know, a draft where I'm taking them as an RB three. Usually I'm, I'm hammering and I, I want to get my fourth wide receiver, my flex. Uh, my preference definitely is at flex to play a wide receiver. Um, so, you know, I like Sanders. I like CEH as, as a possible RB two. Uh, not really into them, you know, as RB3. RB3, I'm usually, you know, I'm, I'm pushing that back a little further. I, I find it super hard to pull the trigger on those guys. It's funny you, you brought that uh, 1912 brought these two guys. I just took, not to bring it back to our uh, super flex uh, best ball we're doing, but I've got Mahomes and Rodgers was in the eighth round. Gabe Davis was sitting there and so is CEH. And with Mahomes, I'm thinking, you know, I, I I don't care to stack Mahomes with anyone this year, maybe someone later. But if I get him naked, I don't really care. Um, but CH was there and I just can't pull the trigger on him and Miles as much as I kind of like Miles coming into the season. And what it is, Nelson, I don't know if you agree, it's just the options later on and what you're passing up when you take these guys. Right. Like if I can get gain Gainwell in Philly later on and I feel like he's going to give me as much as I need in a season that maybe Sanders will. Well, I mean, in, in fairness, the, the range of outcomes for Miles Sanders, he is a talented guy. And, it, you know, RB1 is in his range of outcomes this year. So I would definitely want to get exposure to a guy like that because he's running behind an elite offensive line. Uh, yes, you know, Jalen Hurts, you know, likes to run the ball. And, and everything, but he, he's got some talented playmakers around him. So it's just a matter of him staying healthy and, uh, you know, them using him. Uh, he doesn't even need, you know, a monster workload. You know, he just needs enough touches and he can, he's a good, you know, uh, catcher out of the backfield. So I, I mean, I, and, you know, I, I wanna I wanna have some exposure to Miles Sanders. I wouldn't say like I'm like really bullish where I I wanna take him on every team, but uh, he makes he makes some sense. Like Gainwell, you know, talented kid and and everything, but if Sanders is healthy, uh, he's he's gonna see the majority of the touches. That's that's a concern for me though, is the health factor. Yeah, it's it's funny. I, if you just look at like. You know, Nelson talked about, like, the range of outcomes with Sanders. Sanders had 137 um, rushing attempts, the next, uh, which was second highest on the team. He was right behind Jalen Hurts, um, and that's in only 12 games. And he had zero rushing touchdowns. It's, and Jordan Howard managed to find the end zone three times, Boston Scott seven times, and and, and who does times. And who does that remind you of, Theo? Who's the other guy we're talking about? He told me. CEH, right? Which which is also what concerns you about a guy like Gibson, right? Just these guys that are not playing in the end zone and they're not, you know, they're not necessarily in those high opportunities. I don't, I don't like, I don't know. With um, CEH, it's, 
I, I did like an early NFFC um, draft champions and I got him super, super late. And I, and I was like, this is a good value. But when CEH starts really creeping up, it's I don't think it's a guy I'm really going to have a, that much of. Um, I don't know. It's Maybe I, I need to open my horizons to that. What do you think, Dan? I, I think now is a good time to get exposure to, to guys like Sanders and CEH because, I mean, you know, they're, they're probably going about as low as they're going to go into this entire offseason right now, you know, unless some really bad news comes out. Uh, you know, so I, I, I think the odds are that they're more likely to rise than fall, and those are the players that I'm always looking to get, you know, at this time of year, um, especially when I'm playing in a lot of, you know, <laughs> when you're drafting right now, the odds are you're, you're drafting with, you know, a nine or nine to 11 other sharks. I mean, you know, there's, there's just not too many uh, fish out there in drafts right now where you can feel like, yeah, this guy has no clue. Uh, you know, so when you're drafting with the sharks, getting the, getting the exposure to the guys that you feel like you're not going to be able to get them at this spot in August, it, it's the time to do it. What what is is there another guy that you guys think will rise up throughout the summer? Like we saw Jerry Judy, um, you know, when he was in in June, he was very attainable. When it got to you know September drafts, he was going, you know, wide receiver sixteen. Um, is there anybody you guys see as a, another potential summer riser? I'll throw one out. I think Rashad Bateman's going to continue to rise up. I think there'll yeah, be yeah, you yeah. know big time drum beats in Baltimore, and I think that he'll be a big part of the offense. And I think we'll get some, you know, I think they're a team that's well covered uh, by the beat writers. We always find out a lot about Baltimore. And I think that Bateman's a guy that will cost more in a couple months than he does right now. Is there anybody you guys uh, off the top of your head that kind of falls into that category? Actually, the guy that comes to mind, uh, he's already moved up actually is uh, Alan Robinson. And I, I think he's just going to continue to move up a little bit. I think the guy that's going about Robinson right? right now, Nelson. I mean, to me, he's kind of getting on the, on the edge of a little bit overbaked here. Yeah, I mean, I I think I think there's two ways to look what, at it. What do you mean by overbaked, Dan? Like he's just getting taken too high, or he's yeah, yeah, I, I, I think long. he's getting I think he's getting pushed up to you know kind of the okay. top of his range of outcomes. Okay. I mean, w- one thought process. I think you're going to see. Some drafters that um, look at Cooper Cup as having a historic outlier season, and they feel like, okay, you know, try and do that again. And they're going to be passing on Cooper Cup with his, you know, number two, number three ADP, and, you know, taking Robinson in, in those drafts. And then there's the others that look at it and say, well, you know what? Where was Robert Woods and Cooper Cup going last year? Uh, they were going, you know, third, fourth, you know, end of the third, early fourth round for ADP last year. So they're looking at it as those targets have been vacated. Uh, Beckham uh, wasn't re signed back, obviously, with the ACL and everything in the Super Bowl. So someone else has got to catch the ball in a in a volume offense so there's there's definitely a couple of schools of thought on robinson and why he's going to continue to move up i'm not sure if we've i don't know if we've reached you know uh peak just yet dan i i think 
in drafts, I, I still see him going in the fifth round of drafts. I think once we reach where Robinson goes consistently early fourth round, I, I think you're going to reach kind of like that's the plateau there. Yeah, I, I'm seeing a lot in the mid-fourth, and, you know, it's it, that's a point where I'm just like, you know, man, I'd, I'd rather take a chance on some other guys who are going a little bit later than him, uh, you know, and and I, I get all the, you know, I get all the positives, you know, having to do with the offense and all that. Uh, I just worry about a guy who just, you know, clearly mailed it in last year and, you know, how, how much of that was, you know, he's never been a guy who's, who's been, you know, like a great separator or anything like that. I mean, he's, you just have to wonder if he's one of those guys who is not going to age gracefully. Well, uh, let me play devil's, let me play devil's advocate. He yeah. is one of the wide receivers. He's like the poster boy of wide receivers playing with shitty quarterbacks their whole <laughs> career. And he's be, actually been able to be pretty productive uh, considering the quarterbacks that he's played with. And definitely the last two years you've seen there there's been, he's been on a downturn, but he, I believe he's still young enough that I don't think we've reached the point where we need to be concerned about him. It, it's, you know, the lack of production is to do with age. I, I just think that it's, it probably reached, you know, nagging injuries. Uh, the offense in Chicago was a total shit show. Uh, Justin Fields, you know, not on the same page with him. Um, just a total struggle there. And now this year, for the first time in his career, he gets to play with the best quarterback he's ever had in, since he, he joined the NFL. So my devil's advocate is that you could see possibly, you know, a re-breakout. I mean, he's already broken out. He's already a household name. But I think you could see that bounce back year from him uh, playing with Stafford and having, you know, Cooper Cup across from him. Because keep in mind, you know, Cup had a, a monster season last year. You know that defensive coordinators, when they play the Rams, Cup is going to be – the center of attention and how do we kind of, you know, how do we control this guy where he just doesn't like kill us? And, you know, Robinson's able to win those one-on-one -on -one matchups and those jump balls, uh, even though, you know, even though he can't separate uh, or hasn't been a great separator, I definitely could see where he has one of those seasons where, I don't know, let's say he catches 60, 70 balls, thousand yards, Double-digit touchdowns. Can you see that in the range of outcomes? I, I I can see that in the range of outcomes. I mean, I think that's you know at, at least in the touchdowns. I think that's definitely you know pushing top end. Uh, you know, I I I could see him catching eighty balls potentially. Um, yardage thousand, yeah, something like that. You know, but let's let's just do a let's do a quick uh, OTC on the clock. Uh, how about DK Metcalf or Allen Robinson? Robinson. What's that? Robinson. Robinson over DK? Yeah. Um, Robinson or Terry McLaurin? 
Uh, that one's closer. I'd I'd probably say those are even, but I'd probably lean McLaren because we got to pick one. Okay. Uh, Robinson or DJ Moore? I'm going to take DJ Moore. Okay. So we're kind of, I think, you know, look, looking at where you're at on him, I mean, and where those, where those players are likely to go. I mean, I think we're kind of talking, you know, late fourth round being the comfort level for Allen Robinson. You think that's fair to say? I mean, it seems like at least in FFPC, uh, it, it would probably be a little bit earlier than that in an FFC. Uh, but I, if, if he's going around that area, um, I, I think that still can make sense for me. You know, I would, I would want to have some exposure to him, uh, you know, but if he starts going up in the, you know, before DJ Moore around, you know, Deontay Johnson, Mike Evans guy or Waddle um, guys like that, it, then it, it's going to be hard for me to, to pull the trigger on him. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if he ever reaches that, but I mean, that's kind of where Woods and Cup were going last year. Right. Uh, so, wh- like, w- was that w- – what was wrong with the the drafters last year when they established that ADP where both those guys in the Rams' offense were going in similar spots uh, of having an early fourth-round ADP? Yeah, and I, I, you know, looking at uh, NFFC ADP, you know, that's Robinson probably is more early fourth round. Uh, you know, when I was talking when I when I was expressing surprise, I'm I'm thinking FFPC ADP, where you're going to get a few more running backs and uh, you know a, a few more tight ends pushing the wide receivers down a little bit. So yeah, uh, you know, I, I I think we're actually probably talking about you know Robinson being in the same range. We're just kind of expressing it in different ways. It's definitely yeah. a it's definitely a difficult range to to pick wide receivers. There's a few very right. appealing options in that in that range for sure. Um, it, it, and here's the thing: I mean, there's right now there's what probably 24 wide receiver ones out there. If you ask most people, and then about <laughs> and then about 30 more wide receiver threes. Right, exactly. I mean, it's just, you know, and, and half the battle is just kind of trying to weed out the ones, you know, that, that really don't belong. You know, you know, some of the some of those 24 wide receiver ones are going to fail just because of injury or whatever, and it's going to be really hard to see coming. But, you know, there's, there's going to be about six of those 24 guys who will all be lumped in that same category where we just got to be able to say, no, this guy does not belong. This guy does not belong. Yes, yeah, so just, just to be transparent, I, I am probably you know right now it's it's still early June, but I'm probably going to be a guy that's going to be on Robinson and have my fair share of him. So, just to you know put it out there, um, you know that that's why I was playing devil's advocate is because I I look at it as you know it was a career year for Cup. Uh, I had Cup ahead of Robert Woods in my rankings. I ended up drafting Cup. Uh, I think I had mid thirties, so like it was right around like thirty-five, thirty-six percent Cooper Cup on, on teams, which worked out, you know, great. But I I could see where the defensive attention 
is on Cup and Robinson is hyped up to be playing with Stafford. He's in L.A. He's on a great team. Uh, that's another thing. You know, first time in a long time, you know, you go from the Bears and uh, Jacksonville, and now you're on a, on a, you know, a great team. I, I definitely could see where, you know, he bounces back when a lot of people are kind of writing him off. I think also a devil's advocate is year two for Matt Stafford in a Sean, in the Sean McVay offense. Maybe we're seeing him even be sharper uh, and more comfortable and even even more efficient. Um, so it, it's definitely a, a super interesting player to look at. Odell coming over there after struggling and then looking very good um, kind of also makes me a lot more open to Allen Robinson um, doing well. I think McVay's just a sharp guy and, and puts his people in a, in a place to succeed. Right. So let's, let's chase this rabbit just a little bit further. How, how high is too high for Cooper Cup, Nelson? Um, I mean – I'm still gonna I'm still gonna draft him. He's not one of the, you know, not wide good. receivers that I put on the fade list. Uh, so there is that. Um, Nineteen twelve will be happy to hear that. <laughs> Shout out to the chat. Yeah, I mean, I I'm still you know if I'm in the two hole or three hole and you know I still want to own my fair share of of Cooper Cup, but uh, I'm not gonna be overweight on him. Uh, just to give you an example, I'm you know. I probably, even though I have Cup in my rankings number one, I prefer Jefferson. I was going to say I take him after Jefferson and Chase. He's my my receiver three when I'm drafting. Yeah, and and that's one of those cases where you're saying that you know just to to be clear for everybody, where you're saying you know I think you're saying you think Jefferson is probably is the better bet, but you know that you've got to take Cup. You know you're not you're not going to get Cup if you keep keep taking Jefferson over Cup. Correct. Okay. That's actually a great segue We the, to not to jump out of order in the show sheet, but right now there's a, a clear big three wide receivers right now among drafters, NFFC, FFPC. It's all Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, and Cooper Cup. Um, I don't think you'll see any drafts where, one, where those guys are not in the top three wide receivers taken. Um, do you see – and this is a question for everybody. We could start with Nelson – do you see one of those players finishing as wide receiver one overall? And are there any other players that you, on the, among wide receivers that you could see smashing and finishing as, as one overall and leapfrogging those guys? Who would be your best bet to maybe leapfrog them, um, uh, not among those big three? So maybe start out with, um, you know, you take it any way you want with that one, Nelson. Um, is that a justifiable big three? And is there anybody that you think um, besides those big three would be your your bet to finish as wide receiver one overall in fantasy this year. Yeah, I mean, it, listen, Cup had such a monster season that he could regress a, a good amount and still finish as wide receiver one. Um, Jefferson and Chase are so talented that, yeah, absolutely no-brainer that they could finish as wide receiver one. Um, like I said, my preference, my preference is Jefferson uh, this year. And then the two other guys that are going just a little bit later, you know, late set, uh, late first, early second round is Diggs and CD lamb. Uh, those are the guys that I could see um, finishing as the wide receiver one this year. Yeah. Lamb would have been my pick too. How about you, Dan? 
Uh, Diggs definitely is uh, is my pick there, and you know, I guess I would I, I would give you know like kind of the dark horse chance to to T Higgins, but that would probably require uh, Chase to miss a few weeks due to injury. You know, not out, not outside the realm of possibility, um, but definitely more of a dark horse than the others. I'll throw Devontae Adams in there. I'm, I'm big on digs. I have a ton of digs. It's hard for me not to draft digs. I don't want to, you know, lock myself into digs um, maybe as much as I have in some of these dynasty startups. Um, but I think he could absolutely smash. They, they certainly paid him. Um, and I think that that offense is going to hum. So Diggs is a great, great name there. Um, Lamb should see the volume boost. But Adams is like, you know, we don't, we don't know what, what that Vegas offense is going to look like. But I think it could look really, really good. And I could see Adams just absolutely smashing his first year there. So I'll, I'll throw his name. And then my, my sleeper sleeper, um, I really, really believe in, in Jalen Waddle. And I know he might be a guy that's, that's going a little bit later. Um, but I think if there's a guy that could kind of, kind of come out of nowhere, I think he's getting pushed down because of, of Tyreek Hill signing. Um, but I think Waddle could absolutely smash. He had 102 receptions last year. Um, you know, he's – there's a chance that offense takes a big step forward and Waddle just, just goes nuts. So that would be like my, my dark horse, dark horse, galaxy braining uh, wide receiver one overall. Um, wanted to just pivot over to Dynasty briefly. We have a lot of Dynasty listeners. Um, I want to hear your thoughts basically on the, the rookie class, Nelson. Um, but mainly last year on this pod, you, you gave everybody Amon Ross St. Brown as a, a guy that we should be drafting and, and holding among the rookies. Um, who are your favorite rookies this year and which rookies do you see making the largest redraft, um, impacts? Sure. Um, for rookie wide receivers, my favorite that I think is, you know, great for whether dynasty or redraft, uh, cause I think he's going to make an immediate impact is Chris Olav. Nice. I just drafted him. Sweet. Stacked him with Winston. Beautiful. Yeah. I, I, I love the situation there too. Yeah. So he, he's my, you know, kind of like Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, it, it took a while for him to get going, uh, but he was kind of, you know, further down most people's uh, lists. And I think, I mean, Olav, everyone knows, you know, who he is. And I'm not sure where you guys have him ranked in Dynasty. Uh, so I'd, I'd actually ask your, you guys that question because I don't do much dynasty. So, but I, I think Olav is my favorite wide receiver out of the, the whole group. Yeah. So I like I, that call a lot. Yeah. I, he's, he's right in there with me or for me. Uh, you know, I, I think Jamison Williams this year probably, you know, is going to struggle a little bit more because he's got to recover from his ACL and all that, but he, he's the player I like the most out of this group of wide receivers uh, that I think has absolutely the highest ceiling. Um, but yeah, a lot is in just a great situation right now. And uh, you know, I, I like a lot of things about him and he's really kind of the, you know, the last of the, uh, the highly touted rookie wide receivers to go off the board. I mean, it's, it's basically him or sky Moore. Um, you know, so uh, out, out of the first rounders, you know, the NFL draft first rounders, uh, Olave is usually the last to go other than Jahan Dotson. Yep. 
And then, I mean, obviously, all you guys do Dynasty, so you're aware of all these guys. But um, so it, I'm not even going to use, you know, sneaky, but I'd probably say the rookie wide receiver that I think goes a little later that could surprise people is David Bell. Yes. We love yes, David Bell in the Go District, Nelson. That's, yes, that's great to hear you on him. Okay. We're, we're ringing the bell constantly. We just want your validation on our guys. How, how do you feel about Tolbert while we're at it? I don't know. Just, you know. He was, he's another one uh, that I really liked. Uh, nobody knew anything about this kid. I don't, you guys would have to look back on my, I would, ha, I would have to look back on my tweets, but this was right around the combine or maybe before the NFL combine. We'll get the intern on it. Yeah. Get the intern on it. And and check the tweet, but I want to say that I I posted like my top five favorite rookies, and Tobert made that list as a top five. Nice. And you know he was relatively a no name before he got drafted by the Cowboys, and then everyone just kind of like, well, you know, Gallup coming off the injury, and Washington's there. You know, you know we all know who James Washington is at this point in his career. So it's kind of like, you know, wait a minute here, you know, Jalen Tober could make some noise. So, but I, I was already, I was interested in that kid already once I was watching film and, and just, you know, looking at what he could do. Guys, let me, we're 57 in guys. We're 57 minutes of pure goodness or sorry, pure goatness, as we say here in the district. We appreciate you guys tuning in. The chat has been kicking tonight. Guys, smash the like, smash the subscribe button. We appreciate all the support you guys give us. Two things, FFPC and Underdog. If you're not on either one of these platforms right now, we will give you free money in your face, up to $100 on Underdog. Sign up, use the code DISTRICT, deposit. They'll match up to $100. That's the easiest 100 bucks you've ever made. You can be drafting for 75K with a $5 entry in the puppy, the BBM3, Best Ball Mania, only drafting for $2 million. What did it cost you, honey? $25. And you won how much? You can play fantasy 24 hours a day, honey. That's what we're talking about. Underdog right now. I mean, make a couple, couple two million playing fantasy football. You can be playing golf, baseball. Hockey playoffs are smoking right now, right now at Underdog Fantasy and at myffpc.com, guys. You hear us talk on the regular. You've got a million dollars. You've got the football guys for half a million dollars. You've got a best ball tournament for 200 grand, 125 buy-in. You've got a $35 buy-in Superflex best ball tournament for 10 grand. And you've got dynasty startups and best balls through the Yazoo. I don't know if that's a saying, but it sounded cool. So, guys, myffpc.com, tag at Go District or any one of us. We'll get you a sign-up bonus credit. Underdog, use the code District. We appreciate you all. And a but actually, Theo, before I give it back to you, because man, when you start going, it, the, the fire just—it's like a forest fire, man, out, out there. The, spo the sponsors hate. The sponsors like, hate it. It's like it's like where Nate Nate used to live out there in Cali, where those forest fires—you know—it just starts with a little flame and it just keeps going. But we've got some questions from the chat. I want to throw on here. We've got FFQ later. Um, what do you think about the handcuffs rising now? Like Hassan 
And Snoop Connor, I know, is, is one of our sneaky favorites uh, here in the district. Might be his name, might be something else. Up to the 14th, 15th uh, versus 18th, 20th last month. How do you feel about the rise in those two uh, rookie running backs, Nelson? Uh, Haskins is definitely a, a favorite of mine. And that's just that's just game theory. Uh, without you know giving out too many names, uh, Derrick Henry is on the fade list. And, you know, anytime I'm fading a running back, I'm usually looking to acquire the, you know, the, the handcuff or backup uh, running back. And right now I'm going to, uh, I'm going to assume that Haskins is the guy there. Anything to add, uh, Dan and Theo, before I go to FF's next question, because he's been waiting patiently. We got to give him a couple here. No, I, we talked about Hassan Haskins on, on the pod uh, before. He's a guy that I've been drafting as well. Um, and then Dan, maybe you could share a little more about Snoop Connor. Now that rookie drafts are over, Dan is allowed to talk about him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, both these guys are just kind of, as Nelson said, you know, they're, they're situational plays. You're just, you're looking at the situation. You're going, okay, this is, this, this makes sense. And, you know, for me, 14th, 15th round, 18th, 20th round, there's not a great deal of difference between them. Uh, you know, I don't mind chasing guys up that high. You know, if all of a sudden we're talking about 12th round or something like that, uh, you know, that's, that's definitely getting a little bit overbaked, but in it, it, I don't have any problem taking, uh, Hassan. Like I took him in the hard way draft at, uh, where did, where did I take, uh, you took him in the 13th round. Yeah. And I knew, you know, when I took him, I even took him before Zamir white, because I knew that in this hard way draft, you know, these guys were never going to let him go you know, any further, he was not coming back to me in the 14th round. Cause I knew Hubbard was sitting over there at the end and I knew he was going to be, you know, double tapping running back. And I was like, there's no way Haskins makes it back. Sipping on gin and juice in the corner. Right. Exactly. So, you know, I, I was actually surprised Amir white made it back to me in the 14th, but you know, those are, those are the kind of plays that you want to make Snoop. Um, you know, that's just a bet on James Robinson and his uh, Achilles not being ready to go at the start of the season. And, and that uh, coaching uh, regime not necessarily being his, you know. Yeah, uh, well, that's the thing. I, I mean, you know, Doug Peterson, he often does not really, you know, he'll, he'll cycle through multiple running backs, you know. He'll, he'll have one guy who's definitely the lead back. But, uh, you know, there's, there's going to be other contributors. And if something happens to ETN, you know, so you're just, you're just looking for situations like that where you can just kind of tell yourself a story and say, this is how this guy, you know, just falls into a lot of work. Yeah, One, I think that I'll, I, I just uh, just to kind of piggyback back off of what Dan said. I mean, last summer, if you were drafting in June, you saw, you know, we don't wish injuries on anybody, but we saw what happened to Cam Akers. We saw what happened to J.K. Dobbins. We saw what happened to Travis Etienne. Um, so, you know, drafting these, you know, drafting these affordable handcuffs or guys that we think can be, are the safer bets on being the handcuff um, can really be fruitful for, for these early drafts. It's kind of um, it's especially when there's kind of a little less clarity between the, the RB two and the RB three. I think that's where you kind of find, find your value um, where, you know, if you ask some people, they might say it's a Dontrell Hilliard. So, but I think the sharp people are on Hassan Haskins and that's where I'm, I want to put my money. Let's go a little higher in the rookie running back uh, rankings. The the man who went off the one one in most drafts, uh, I think whether it's super flex or not, was uh, Mr. Hall out in uh, in New York. How do you feel about his ADP uh, rising right now, Nelson? 
Uh, I'm not a big fan of it, actually. Um, I'm not that high on the on the Jets' offense this year. I think for Dynasty, uh, he's totally fine. He's a very talented running back, but for redraft, he's not really. I'm not enticed uh, to be drafting him where he's going. Uh, and I'm also one of the uh, people that's on a short list that thinks that Michael Carter is still going to be involved and not totally phased out. So when you consider where people are willing to draft Brees Hall and what the offense is going to be and everything, I still think it's a work in progress. I, you know, I'm not really all that interested. I think, I think that makes a lot of sense, Nelson. Um, you know, and Dwayne McFarland did a study on this last year uh, for PFF. And he was, um, you know, he was looking at when a, when a team drafts a running back, you know, on day two, and then, you know, how, how easily can they get, you know, themselves worked into the lead role. And it doesn't happen in the rookie year as often as people like to imagine that it does, you know, and, and uh, last year, you know, he was talking about maybe, you know, we should pump the brakes a little bit on Javante Williams. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, you know, Melvin Gordon was, you know, a, a full 50% or more of that committee. And, you know, you can easily see the same situation potentially developing in, uh, in New York, you know, where that, that established back who's had at least a year, you know, to in the system and in the NFL to hold back a rookie just enough where, you know, when everybody's steaming up that rookie into a, you know, a, a top, you know, top four, top five round position, um, it just makes that rookie not worth taking at that spot. Yeah, I mean, Michael Carter, to me, passed the eye test. So yeah. when I was watching the games, there's nothing that stood out to me that I can sit here today and say, well, yeah, no brainer. I mean, they, they needed to draft Brees Hall. You know, that's, that's easy. He's going to be the starting running back. He's going to get the full workload because Michael Carter sucks. I, you know, that's, to me, that's not the case. So you're going to be overweight on Carter then? Uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to draft. Yeah. I mean, I'm, where's he going? Like ninth round in, in yeah, draft or, or later. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm interested. You know, that's, it's right around in my wheelhouse of when I start taking the, you know, and I start looking at running backs at that point and, you know, I'm going to be taking Carter because again, you know, Brees Hall, I think that ADP is a little mispriced. Uh, I think guys, especially early on in these drafts, um, in, in redraft, you know, guys fall in love with these rookies uh, often and they get hyped up. And I'm, I'm just, I'm not a big fan of uh, this rookie class this year. And, and I think I'm people forget, uh, sorry, Theo, look at JT, right? I'm, I'm his biggest fan, man. I love me some JT, but you look at his first 10 weeks as a rookie, he wasn't smashing anything he had one week he was a top 10 running back otherwise he was like the running back 35 28 47 19 37 23 you know like he, he wasn't flexing crazy numbers until he got into the double digits in the second half and he's obviously at the pinnacle so you know you, you gotta manage the expectations as they say with the rookies and especially when you're paying that high price in those top three rounds 
you know, similar to what we said about Javante Williams that you mentioned, you're, you're drafting these guys at their possible ceiling in a lot of the situations. This might be one of them. I'm in a football guy's uh, slow draft right now, putting together a, a monster. Um, but I got Michael <laughs> Carter uh, at the 1207 oh. uh, as, run, as, as running back 50. Where'd you get him? Um, Sorry, a, where'd you get him? He is running back 50. I took him at the 1207. I considered him at Love the that. 1105, but I went with Khalil Herbert. Love so that. I got Khalil Herbert and, and Michael Carter in those two rounds. And uh, shout out to FF F- uh, Culator who got him even later in, in a puppy draft. Um, so it's, wow. you know, the, the community is as cooled on, on Carter. Um, I also think that he's the kind of guy that um, you could get him in some FFPC dynasty leagues right now for a third. I think some people might consider him a potential cut. And he's a guy that I think will play in the league a long time. Um, even if he, even if, and even, even if, um, you know, Brees Hall kind of makes him a little bit, um, you know, dustier, than, than, than maybe we're, we're considering right now. I think that he's he's the kind of guy that's going to be a high-end handcuff for, for a long time. So, guys, um, Nick, Nick Chubb that's and, his low side. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, they, they do perfectly well in the same backfield. I could see a very similar – when you're looking at production uh, from the two, I could see something like that uh, in New York. From, from like you said, Nelson, Carter just looked – Eventually, awesome. eventually. But eventually. That, that Jets O-line has a long ways to go compared to be compared to that Cleveland O-line. <laughs> Yeah, it was more the split. It was more the split. You're you're absolutely right. In the in the spirit of, of both in the spirit the of, positions yeah. and, and yeah. having an offensive. Yeah, yeah. Here, here, um, here are some guys that uh, Michael Carter is going around running back wise. Um, all he's he's going according to FFPC um, ADP uh, Fantasy Mojo. He's going in the middle of the eleventh round. Darrell Henderson, Naheem Hines, Tyler Algier. And Tyrion Davis Price are all going in the same round. I mean, it, out of those five, I would take Michael Carter absolutely over any of them. Um, wanted to pivot over to the one-off positions. We can kind of combine this question, but last year you were very successful with targeting Tom Brady and Tampa Bay stacks. Um, what is your approach this season to the quarterback position? Are you fluid? Are there a few guys you're, you're you know? zeroing in on and what mistakes do you see drafters making when approaching the quarterback position? Well, that's a good question. Uh, just because of the number of teams I do last year, I had a little over 150 teams. I'm probably gonna, I'm probably going to fall in that range, uh, again this year. Uh, so I'm going to want, and, and I play in a bunch of tournament style leagues, uh, with a big grand prize, so that's top heavy. So I'm I'm looking to get exposure to all different uh, quarterbacks, whether it's Josh Allen or, you know, Mahomes, uh, you know, a lot of those earlier quarterbacks, and then you know, mid the mid tier ones, and then even if the draft just the way it plays out, you know, I don't mind punting back to like, you know. Uh, a Derek Carr, Trey Lance, you know, guys like that. Um, uh, what, sorry, I lost my train of thought. So your question was about the quarterback. So, you're, so basically you're, you're, you're a little more open this year. Um, it, you know, last year it seemed like maybe you had a – correct me if I'm wrong, but Brady, when, when you could – you draft uh, Brady at value, and then this year you seem a little, maybe a little more 
open to having a lot more exposure to guys? Yeah, Brady was just obvious to me. Um, it, it just I, – I didn't see any way possible that in his second year with Tampa Bay um, that he wasn't going to just smash – and and who his receivers were, Gronk, uh, you know, going there, good offensive line. So that just seemed like a no-brainer. Uh, right now, uh, I don't have a quarterback in mind that I'm looking at that I feel the same way as Brady, but I do have, like, my favorites. But, yeah, la- last year was just one of those kind of outliers that – you know where Brady was going, uh, he was mispriced. He he was definitely undervalued. Um, so, yeah, I I passed on the the Mahomes and and guys like that. But I I still had my fair share of like Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray. I still wanted to have Josh Allen, and that's just based on you know volume drafting because you know in the tournament. As you can see, like last year, the difference maker was Joe Burrow. If you had Joe Burrow in the shootout, uh, especially paired with, you know, a stack of with Jamar Chase, um, you were in the conversation, you know, to win big money. So I'm, I'm looking to get exposure to all the quarterbacks, um, you know. Uh, but, yeah, my preference, though, is definitely even in NFFC where it's six points a touchdown – my preference is to kind of, you know, not take the the elite ones. So, like, I'm not going to be ever overexposed to Allen, Mahomes, Herbert, Burrow this year uh, because, you know, they're the, the top four that are going off the board. Makes sense. So um, I'll put you on the spot. Uh, Kyler Murray or Joe Burrow? Uh. I still believe in Kyler Murray's talent, uh, so I don't want to. I, I don't want to downplay or, or you know, kind of put him down. But I'm I'm taking Burrow. Right. I might I might lean I might lean Murray on that one. Um, I think they're they're pretty close. Um, but I just think Murray right now, um, you know, with his rushing upside, um, and the chance and he's playing for a contract. Um, I think that I think Murray could could have a very big year, but they're both, both fine, fine draft picks uh, for sure. How about the tight end position? I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dan. Oh, I I only asked that because I got a a bet with Dave Terpoli. I've got the Kyler Murray side. Okay. Yeah. Listen, I, I, I like Kyler Murray and I'm going to be drafting him on, on teams. uh, But like I said, you know, you put me on the spot. I got to pick one. Yep. You know, I'm I'm gonna go Burrow. So you don't really have any concerns with uh, with like the incredible efficiency of Burrow and Chase last year? No, because he's got other talented wide receivers in uh, Higgins and Boyd uh, that offset that. So even if like you know Chase takes a step back. And and things just don't click as well as they did towards the end of last year. Um, I don't expect. I, I think Burrow had maybe like uh, was it two two fifty plus point weeks? 
out of the quarterback position? And um, yeah, yeah, and NFFC scoring. I think you're right. And NFFC was, scoring. Yeah, it was. It, he, he had. Yeah, the high FFPC. He had thirty-eight point one and thirty-four point eight in weeks sixteen and seventeen. Yeah, those were his highest weeks. And, and NFFC boosted up a little bit. I will add that that just we talk about offenses getting better. The Bengals did sign Ted Karras and Lyle Collins, so they did. Like we were critical about the Bengals' offensive line. That was the whole narrative last year, um, and they definitely have improved that offensive line. Put money into it, so it's it's definitely an interesting uh, interesting one. Um, and things were slow going with uh, Burrow in that offense to begin the year, and mm-hmm. we got to keep in mind he was coming off injury, and we were a little unsure of how things were were going to go. The offensive line didn't really look like it was dramatically improved. Um, and I think those things have changed. And I think now Burrow's coming off a healthy off season. So even, you know, I, I hate being, you know, I don't like being at the, the head of the parade, um, where, you know, we're, we're going into a, into the parade of Joe Burrow and we're going to get slaughtered. I, I hate being in that kind of like join the masses type of thinking, but uh, I usually like being contrarian uh, in that standpoint, but I do think that Burrow could actually improve off of last year. Nice. How about the tight end position? Um, It's often tricky for drafters. What are, what are you looking for this year at the tight end spot and, and how are you approaching the position? And we will add that Nelson drafts in NFFC, which is not tight end premium for the FFPC listeners. Yeah. I mean, Theo, you, you know, my preference uh, from us drafting together last year, I, I tend to not be interested in drafting those early tight ends. So uh, you're not going to see many teams with Kelsey or Andrews on it or, or guys like that. But this year I think, uh, Waller, Hawkinson, Kittle, uh, they all present themselves as fair price where they're going in the NFFC. So uh, I'll definitely be interested in, in taking uh, a combination of those guys. Not a combination, I shouldn't say. You know, one of those guys just, you know, I, I might – it might just be what I'm in the mood for. So if like Waller and Kittle are there, I might take Waller in one and take Kittle in the next draft. So there's going to be like no rhyme or reason for it other than to just gain exposure. But, you know, my preference is punting tight end and grabbing too late. And uh, that's worked out through the years where I've been able to, you know, figure that, you know, figure out those late tight ends. Totally makes sense. What about uh, is is there a mid range tight end that you're especially high on, or a mid range tight end that you think is uh, just really that everybody else seems high on that you think is a terrible value? Yeah, I mean the 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 high you know the high end tight ends I think are are bad bets this year. I, I think Kelsey uh, is going to turn thirty three during the, the this season. And I, you know, no Tyreek. Uh, 
so that's going to take some, you know, attention is going to be paid, you know, is going to go towards Kelsey more with no Tyreek there. Uh, plus the age factor. I just think that I rather be off that ship uh, before it sinks a year early rather than a year late. And then Andrews, I think is just coming off of an outlier season that he's going to regress. Uh, so his ADP doesn't make sense to me going off as the number one tight end or number two in, in drafts. Um, a lot of his production uh, was when Lamar Jackson was hurt actually. And um, the, the Ravens defense was banged up uh, big time last year. So I think that with them returning healthy, improved. I think there's going to be less shootouts uh, in Ravens games. So, and you're going to have, you know, Dobbins and Gus Edwards back. So last year they were down to Tyson Williams to begin the year, which was, you know, like their third, fourth string running back. So I think those dynamics, when you put it all together, it's a combination of everything. I just think that, uh, Andrews is a bad bet to be taking him as the number one tight end just based off of his production last year. You know, if you look back, you know, go look back at, you know, those game logs, a lot of his, you know, 11 catches, 100 yards wasn't with Lamar at, at quarterback. And then for the mid-tier uh, guys that I'm interested, like I said, that Hawkinson, Waller, uh, Kittle, I'm definitely interested I'm probably off of uh, Dalton Schultz. Uh, I think he's going a, a little too high. Uh, I don't believe in the talent. I, he, was, I, he was at a nice value, but now he's he's up there. Yeah, I, I'm probably I'm pushing it back, and I'm going to be interested in the Cole Komets, uh, the Albert O's. Dan um, Dan just went swing. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm, sorry, I'm, you just said Albert O, so I just went swing. Albert yeah. Owen Tanyan are two of my yes. favorite targets in my, any draft. Like Tanyan in the 12th, Albert Owen in the ninth. You get those two, you're you're rocking. My my I definitely, I definitely, Cole Komet is pretty well known or on Komet. Podcast, so, yeah, yeah, those are those are kind of the three guys. I definitely swinged when Nelson said he was kind of fading in Dalton Schultz where he's going right now because I think it's it's reached ridiculous, ridiculous levels. So yeah. and and he was quick, right? Like you one minute you're drafting and he's you know, he's in the eights, seven eights. I think he, he was. He's ahead of he's ahead of Hawkinson in a lot of drafts, which is banana. Hawkinson, yeah, it's not. Yeah, good. which so, is crazy. Yeah, so it's. I think people are. You know, it's. I think people. You got a lot out of him last year, and I think he could produce this year. But if he's tight end eight, and you're drafting him as as tight end, you know, seven, then you're you're not. It's it's a it's a purgatory pick. It's nothing. There's no upside with him at all right now where he's going. And I think it's more likely than not that he he regresses. Um, so I I don't know. Um, two two guys just we're, we're getting deep into the show here, but two guys Nelson, uh, how are you approaching right now, DeAndre Hopkins with the suspension? Is he a value or is he something to to kind of maybe you're avoiding? And then Michael Thomas as well with all the question marks up in the air. I don't I don't think the Hopkins price has corrected itself enough. So I'm I'm avoiding where he's going. I. In at least in the NFFC, the drafts that I've been a part of, um, I haven't found you know a point in the draft where I'm like, oh, here we go, Hopkins makes sense. I can eat those six weeks, 
and 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 come up with a plan where I've got you know three really good wide receivers or I've got a a wide receiver that I like to take in the ninth tenth round that can play in the meantime and I'll just take Hopkins here. I haven't found that yet, um, but I I'll probably at some point be interested in him. Just again. You know, where, for, where, where is he going in those drafts? Because FFPC right now, he's going like just just your regular best ball. He's going like in the eighth round, Hopkins. Yeah, he's he's going like I think people are just they run out of it's almost like they run out of names and they see Hopkins sitting there and the, just based on the name value, and it's kind of like the the whole you know age the you know the struggle you know, in production last year. And then the suspension just kind of goes out the window and they're just, Oh, it's Deandre Hopkins. He's still here in the sixth round. Let me take him. So that's, that's yeah, about for, where he's going right now. For, for me, it's a little bit easier to take him in a, a best ball than a managed week, but you know, having dead weight sitting on your roster for six weeks, uh, you know, when you're talking about a, you know, 13, 14 week season, you know, depending on your, you know, what, what site you're playing on, you know, that's, that's half the regular season. I mean, you're, you're trying to get yourself into the championship round. And when you don't have one of your mid round wide receivers to help you out with that, and you're just having to sit there and hold them, you know, and, you know, buys have already started and everything else. It just gets really tough. I mean, you know, like uh, on FFBC, Adam Thielen is going behind it. I was just, I was just going to do a quick OTC. I was going to ask about Thielen versus Hopkins for Nelson. That that just depends on the structure of my team. Yeah. Like, do, do I need Thielen? Because Thielen is like the type of like nice little player. Um, he's reached a point in his career where where he's going, he's never going to be like a home run pick. Where he's a floor play, he's a floor play more than yeah. Like he, there's there's no upside there. I, I feel like, but what, what if what if you put him against the two rookies, London or Burke? They they have that like you know on the back end of the season, you're probably going to get the most out of them. Yeah, you. Yeah, sorry, JD. You, I'm I'm an upside guy, so to me, I'm I I'm okay with the low floor. So I'm I'm going to be interested in London Burks, okay. you know Olav, you know those those rookies, and and I'll just you know, sit them on my bench until, you know, they figure things out. And then, you know, kind of like Amon Ross St. Brown, where, you know, to end the year that, you know, they're a fixture in the lineup. Yeah. Uh, how about uh, wait, Hopkins or Elijah Moore? Uh, Elijah Moore. Okay. Hopkins or Hunter Renfro? Uh, at that point, I take, uh, I take Hopkins. I just, that's another example, like Renfro, like, Nice little player, you know, nothing against them, but you got Adams there now and, and Waller. Um, I'm just not – Renfro's not my type of – not my type of player. Like he's, he's just – you're never going to see him on my, uh, on my teams. Doesn't fit the profile. Gotcha. How about, uh, you know, a, a larger question – um, Nelson, you play a lot of major tournaments. You play the a lot of the online championship. Um, you play the classic. You play the prime time. Although the classic is not really a tournament this year anymore. But um, what's your thoughts on correlation and stacking 
in major tournaments? And what mistakes do you see players making in trying to do so? Especially with, with week 17. Throw the week 17 thing in there. I want to I hear about that. Uh what what about week seventeen? Well, sorry, just answer answer Theo's question, but I want that's to bring that conversation. Yeah, that's the next question. It's more, more, it's more, best, more, best, more best, more best, more best, on, on. I want I want to ask him after just strategy wise, sure, but answer Theo's question first. Yeah, um, I prefer to stack, so I don't necessarily force the issue. I just, you know, when my draft is going on, and let's say I take. Cooper Cup in the first round, and then I end up with Mike Evans in the third round, let's say. Uh, at that point, you know, I circle Brady and Stafford as, you know, options. Um, maybe I go and draft, you know, a running back in the first round, and I'm in the back half, and I take, like, digs. Uh, Josh Allen, at that point, in the third, fourth round, um, I start already contemplating, okay, is this the team that I'm going to fire up Allen so that I can stack them with digs? Um, another example would be, you know, in the later rounds, you know, the, you know, fifth round, let's say Cortland Sutton, um, who I I'm high on this year, I end up getting him. Now Russell Wilson, you know, comes into play. So I'm I'm very much aware in drafts of who I've got at wide receiver or even tight end, and I I am looking to to stack and then you know finding that that second wide receiver in the offense is definitely a viable strategy that you know I'm I'm into. So where guys make mistakes. Um, I don't know. I, I think, I think where you make a mistake is if like you, you try to force it uh, when there's like a no-brainer, you know, player on the board. I guess uh, would be the would be the only mistake that that it, you know it's a strategy that I follow. Do you do you ever reach like? Is there ever an option where you're like, I'm going to take this guy a half round? or maybe around earlier because I don't think he makes it back to me and I really want him for this build? Uh, usually... Asking for a friend, by the way, not, not yeah. from me. Usually, took sure, sure. <laughs> uh, JD never reaches. He never yeah. reaches. Got it. Um, Hashtag always be stacking, baby. Yeah, I mean, at quarterback, I mean, like last year, if I, I ended up with a, a ton of... Uh, Godwin and Antonio Brown on teams and like Brady, I was definitely, you know, looking to, to get him, but early on I was just taking him the value he, that he was in, in these uh, drafts. But as it got uh, closer to the season and, you know, I think guys started figuring it out and Brady moved up. I, you know, I moved them up uh, to make sure that I I got them on teams uh, based on how I built them. Um, so that would be like an example from last season. Uh, th this year, it's the same thing. Like I just did an online championship over the weekend, and uh, I want to say 
it was a Cooper Cup team, actually, I think. And Stafford was definitely part of uh, the strategy. He ended up going, but I had Sutton on the team, so I ended up with Russell Wilson on the team. So, yeah, I'm I'm always looking to to put that together. Are, yeah. are you are you combining the stacking with um, also looking at the schedules for you know like the money weeks? Yeah, if, if if I'm doing like underdog, I I think that's more viable in best ball where you can't really once the team's drafted, you can't change anything about the team. Um, I think that's where you need to try to correlate and have you know uh, a a stack with you know, to end the season, you know, in week 17, I don't know if that was JD's question, but yeah. uh, I'd be looking at week 17 and saying, okay, this is my major stack uh, that I have. And I want to have, you know what, this quarterback or, or this running back or wide receiver uh, in that same game. And I want that game to just go bananas and, and have those, those players scoring points for me. So I, I think it's works better in in like a underdog type of format. The 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 challenge I was having with that Nelson, the reason I asked is I feel like you get to a point, and you mentioned I think like you know you're sitting there and and there's a serious value that fell, you know, but then you're looking for that correlation, and I find it easy to miss the values that are there in in a piece that maybe doesn't fit, you know, with anyone that you've drafted, whether whatever position it is that you're trying to, to, to relate. But I feel that if it's easy to go too far on one, one side and one strategy, and then you're just looking for like the, the bills, you know, and the, and the Bengals and like, you know, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish at the end of the year, D Denver KC. Um, and maybe you're missing some values. So there's kind of that fine line that you have to balance. I'll give you an example. Like let, let's say you start off with digs and then you take Josh Allen, right? And now it presents itself where you're later in the draft and Gabe Davis is available, but you tend to like Darnell Mooney, maybe a, a smidge more than Davis, but it's an Allen Diggs team. I'm taking Davis. It, yeah. You know, that would be like the tiebreaker. Uh, so I could kind of complete that whole stack. Okay. So it's got to be close still. Yeah. I like the example, by the way, that's something like that earlier. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to just go and take Gabe, you know, I would have to just like, 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 like you're not taking Gabe Davis over. Um, I don't know. Let, let's say like, you know, Elijah Mitchell type of thing just to get your stack done or someone who's like two rounds earlier, or you round and a half or whatever it is, you know? Well, Elijah Mitchell would be a bad example because Gabe, Gabe has jumped him in. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at these. I know I'm looking at best ball ADP. Sorry, guys. No, no, no. But like an example would be like if you punted your RB2 and the guys we talked about, Miles Sanders and CEH are there. And let's say you're high on those guys and you think they make sense for how you built the team. Well, Gabe Davis makes sense too, but – are you going to take Gabe Davis over one of those guys uh, to put in a, as your RB two? That that's where I think you know you can get carried away with stacks and then screw up the structure of your team. 
that's where the mistakes are made. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that people, people get the, reaching to complete a stack, um, you know, overreaching just to force that stack. I think that's a big mistake people make. I think another mistake people make is, you know, when you're playing in, in the football guys, you're, you're going up against, you know, a B bag Batoba who's going to have almost max entries. You know, you don't want to have the, the most common stack. If you're going up against Billy Wazowski or Nelson Sousa in the Rotowire sure. Online Championship, you don't want to have just this one stack. You want to be open to maybe a, a less common stack that might might play out for you. Um, I think that that's one that you know a couple of years back, um, you know the the Josh Allen Stephon Dix stack turned out to be a really big one for for the players who took took chances on that, but it was an uncommon stack as well. So, um, and I think last year the the you know we saw the Bengals stack you know, crushing, um, you know, in week 17, where that was a, a maybe a less common stack. So I think people need to open up their, their, um, you know, horizons on, on not necessarily doing exactly what everybody's doing um, when it comes to stacks as well. That Rogers Tanyan stack, baby. <laughs> that one, that one Monday night football, you got uh you got a three touchdown game out of Tanyan, man. That there one, you go. Uh, Hey, people, people forget how big, how big, how good he was. And, you know, talk about narrow, narrow target trees definitely happening in, in Green Bay. Anything else for, for, sure. uh, for Nelson guys, we're, we're over a buck 30 and uh, the man's been more than generous. Any, any last questions before we wrap this baby up? How, 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 how well how are we going to get to a buck 30 already? <laughs> exactly. Right. Time, man. <laughs> Just the fire content. You bring it. You bring in the guest, the the, the great guest, and, and time flies. And and yeah, this was awesome. We uh we really appreciate your time, Nelson. This was a really good one. Yeah, no, I always enjoy my time with you guys. Yeah, man. Tonight was another big show, guys. Check out Nelson Souza. What is it at the franchise? Underscore twelve. Underscore twelve. I was. I never know if it's underscore or just twelve. But uh, check him out. Uh, also at FDN Fantasy. Nelson just dropped, uh, like we talked about, his fade list. He's got uh, some some RB targets. Just dropping goodness, guys. Uh, a man who's done it himself and is willing to share the secrets uh, for a very, very small uh, and, and valid fee out there at FTN Fantasy. Nelson, always a blast having you on the district. Theo and Dan, you guys are crushing life. Always love hanging out with you guys and uh, it, interrupting the the regular life with uh with all the goodness we get to discuss uh, on the show guys in the chat you guys are fire tonight we appreciate all you guys for hanging out we missed our boy wheeler but we had 1912 in there uh, our boy jay and a bunch of others keep keep uh jumping in guys bring the questions bring the goodness theo we have a, a couple more heaters coming this month why don't you let the people know so we have um this thursday night we have john daigle uh four for four who's been on the uh Go District a number of times before. He's a great, great guest. Um, you know, we can galaxy brain week 17, best ball with him for a while, JD. You'll love that. <laughs> yes. um, and then we have Ian Harditz coming on Friday. Um, we're doing a daytime uh, episode with him. And then Monday, we have uh, Jared Smola of Draft Sharks, um, who is does some of the best projections um, around. And he's a super, super sharp guy. We always have good shows with him. So we got a number of great shows coming up in the district. And, um, we're going to, you know, have a, an awesome June and awesome, awesome July. We're also drafting. We're going to do some balling episodes. Um, you know, all of us are drafting. Um, we'll do some live drafts and some draft review shows as well. Totally, man. We, the, the goatness is going to keep coming, guys. Make sure you subscribe. You smash the like. 
stick with us. Guys, the code district at Underdog Fantasy. We talked about all the goodness they have there. My MyFFPC.com. Again, ton of goodness, guys. Go out there. If you're not already signed up, tag one of us. We'll hook you guys up. Viridian Global is where we get all our GOAT gear and all our fantasy gear. Go check them out, ViridianGlobal.com. Guys, we appreciate you guys. Now you can also see us on Spotify right now, YouTube, Spotify, and a bunch of podcast platforms. We appreciate all you guys. We appreciate Nelson. And guys, we'll check you all later. You know the Pope listens Dynasty our religion For the blokes missing On all of these trades On all of these plays On all of these grades By the end of the day Y'all getting played So what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex Send the homie a text That trash offers the best You try to make it complex Then they text you back Now all of a sudden They don't make any sense <laughs> Broaden your horizons boy Dynasty's not for the Simons boy these trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. 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 And I always be traded. 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 And I always be traded. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Bait them. Fish. Fish.